Welcome to Come and See, a home-centered podcast-supported gospel doctrine. This week we are studying Mosiah 1 through 3. I'm Sam Rencher. And I'm Wendy Rencher. And we're happy to be with you today. Um, we're going to start off, we're, at, we're trying to get ahead actually, so that we're not giving you the podcast on the last day of the scripture block. We're, at, we're trying to, uh, it's the first day of the scripture block. So hopefully that will help you out. Yeah. Excited about that. Yeah. Um, we did take a little break for Easter and conference, so sorry about that, but it's it what was, it is. Yep. <laughs> All right. So we're going to start uh, in Mosiah 1, and King Benjamin uh, starts off by talking about how important it is to search the records and the commandments. So do you want to read verse 3 for us? My sons, I would that you should remember that were it not for these plates, which contain these records and these commandments, we must have suffered in ignorance, even at this present time, not knowing the mysteries of God. For it were not possible that our father, Lehi, could have remembered all these things to have taught them to his children, except it were for the help of these plates. So what a blessing it is for us in the latter days to have so much scripture available and the technology to search it and to use it so quickly. Think of King Benjamin and his time. They had the brass plates and the records that they were keeping and that was it that was it um think of what we have in our day we have the book of mormon we have the doctrine and covenants we have the pearl of great price we have the old testament we have the new testament and then a plethora of tools and Bible dictionaries and topical guides and ways to search and study guides and so many ways to study the scriptures. Um, and King Benjamin is teaching us here how important it is to search the records, to search the commandments. And they didn't have nearly the opportunities that we do. Um, so I think it's important for us to listen to that counsel that he's giving us. Um, let's read verse 5 too. Were it not for these things which have been kept and preserved by the hand of God, that we might read and understand his mysteries, and have his commandments always before our eyes, that even our fathers would have dwindled in unbelief, and we should have been like unto our brethren the Lamanites, who know nothing concerning these things. So these records or scriptures are what kept Nephi and his family and King Benjamin and his people on this covenant path. And the same is true for us. Um, if we did not have these scriptures, these records, these commandments, uh, we would not have the same opportunities and blessings. The, the words of the prophets, um, the Book of Mormon that teaches us the doctrine of Christ. Those things are crucial for us in our covenant path, in our discipleship, in our um, returning to our Heavenly Father. And so we want to really um, examine how we use those tools that Heavenly Father has given us and how, how are we searching the commandments and how are we doing um, in our families in 
using the things that Heavenly Father has given us. It really helps us. It helps me understand why the things had to happen the way they did between Laban and Nephi, just so they could have the brass plates that, you know, Laban had to be killed in order for them to have even the scriptures that they did have. And yet here we have all of these scriptures and understand the covenants and understand the gospel. We are so, we're so blessed. Um, in verse seven, he continues to teach us about um, the importance of these records. And he says, and now my sons, I would that you should remember to search them diligently that ye may profit thereby. So we can't profit unless we search. And in my mind, the more that we search, the more that we profit. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. So think about when you've lost something really important. Um, what did you do to look for what you had lost? I lost my wedding ring once. I was pretty panicked. I was home by myself and I was having a nervous breakdown. I was searching everywhere. I mean, it was my wedding ring. It was pretty important to me. And I was looking, um, it wasn't the kind of looking my kids do when they can't find their belt or their church shoes where they open the drawer and they glance around their room and then they come back three seconds later to tell me they couldn't find it. Um, I was crawling around on my hands and my knees. I was saying multiple prayers. I was thinking back through my day and trying to retrace my steps. I was looking through so many things in my house so carefully to find my ring. And so to me, searching, if we're talking about searching the scriptures, denotes work. It denotes effort. It's time, investment, pondering, prayer. Um, and that kind of effort in the scriptures will help us to gain the kinds of things that we need from the scriptures, like testimony and conviction and power and faith and hope. And so again, um, it's really important for us to examine in our lives, are we following King Benjamin's counsel and searching diligently? And, and is that diligent search giving us the kind of gain that we hope? If it's not, we might want to adjust our practice a little bit. I totally agree. Another, another scripture I love is verse six. Um, part of it reads, uh, they are true and we can know of their surety because we have them before our eyes. So one of the greatest blessings of keeping the scriptures before our eyes is how we can gain a testimony. Um, in order for this testimony to come, the scriptures must uh, be before our eyes. Now, this is a principle I know to be true. Uh, when I give the scriptures time, when I search them like I'm searching for a lost wedding ring, that's, you know, searching with intensity. Um, it's when I'm in the scriptures constantly each day, keeping them before my eyes, you know, as opposed to casually reading them. This is when I receive the blessings of reading, when I feel peace, when my understanding increases. It's when my testimony truly increases. Um, have you ever noticed how often it mentions that children were taught in the Book of Mormon? 
like uh, the very first verse in the Book of Mormon, for example, I, Nephi, having been born in goodly parents, therefore I was taught somewhat in all the learning of my father. Uh, my very favorite scripture, 2 Nephi 25:26, says, And we talk of Christ, we rejoice in Christ, we preach of Christ, we prophesy of Christ, and we write according to our prophecies that our children may know to what source they may look for a remission of their sins helps us to understand why we have the scriptures at all. And um, it's all about Christ. But uh, that we need to teach our children so that they can know our Savior. And again, in Mosiah uh, chapter 1, verse 2, the second verse in our block of scriptures, And it came to pass that he had three sons, and he called their names Mosiah and Helaram and Helaman, and he caused that they should be taught in all the language of his fathers, that thereby they might become men of understanding, that they might know concerning the prophecies which had been spoken by the mouths of their fathers, which were delivered them by the hand of the Lord. Um, it's, even, it's even a commandment that we teach our children, as you can see from verse 4. So the end of verse 4, it talks about how um, we are going to teach our children to fulfill the commandments of God. And there's lots of ways to teach our children. Uh, one is we should teach by example. Uh, we need to be studying our scriptures each day, and our kids should see us studying them. At one point in my life, I transitioned to reading my scriptures in the morning, and I thought it was good that our kids saw me studying. Sometimes I'd even make comments like, I've read my scriptures, or who's read their scriptures today? And eventually I saw some of our kids starting to read their scriptures in the morning. Um, Aubrey even asked at one point, Dad, can you wake me up so many minutes early so I can read my scriptures? And it eventually became a thing. When I went to wake her up, I'd take her scriptures with her and her marking pencils I'd wake her up and say, Aubrey, you want to still get up early and read your scriptures? And she'd say yes. I'd turn on her light, hand her her scriptures, and she'd start her day reading her scriptures. Um, I've also found that um, showing the kids how to study is important. Uh, well, I think that, you know, this is a great time in family scripture study is when you're together, you know, to have your own all everyone have their own scriptures out so they they all have their own place to mark their own place to read but you know they're watching um what you're doing super helpful um one uh, strategy i would call a think aloud and it's simply sharing what you're thinking as you read so you can read a verse and then say oh here's what i think of when i read that verse or here's what came to my mind or here's the questions that I have, or here's the insights, here's something the Holy Ghost just taught me, or here's how I plan to implement what I've learned as I read that verse. Um, it's on-the-go teaching. Um, it takes no preparation because you're just truly teaching what came to your mind. One last um, maybe teaching your children tips is helping them to see how to mark scriptures. So as we read in our family, we all have um, marking pencils 
or pens that we use. Um, they're the same colors. Our kids know what the colors mean. Um, they know what our colors mean. We, we've all determined for sure what our own will mean. And um, it's good for the kids to hear and see what, what you mark um, and to just show them what you mark. Here's what I wrote for this verse. Um, young children will sometimes sit right by me and sometimes will even copy exactly what it is that I wrote when they're really young. That's a good way for them to learn how to mark is, is to even copy. But as they get older, of course, then that's no longer a good way to go. They need to learn to mark what they are feeling and, and what insights they're having. Um, but they may still need support and help doing that. They might even just need a, a prompt of, well, what could you write from this verse? How could you rewrite this verse into our language? Or simply ask them um, to share what they wrote in their verse or next to their verse will help them. Or what did you learn from that? Or what doctrine was taught in that verse? Or... Um, things like that. I think um, that kind of teaching helps children to become more invested in the scriptures. Probably the biggest thing for us in our family, the thing that made the biggest difference in helping our kids to love the scriptures was to be consistent, to have a consistent family scripture study on an everyday basis. Um, that's made the biggest difference. So uh, if you're in the, in the time where it's hard and you've got lots of little kids and you're not sure that it's making a difference, just keep going, keep doing it. Don't give up. Um, if you have young children, start small. You don't have to spend a long time. Um, do things that help them to, to find interest in the scriptures, like object lessons or acting things out or using the Book of Mormon reader or the Book of Mormon videos. But it's that daily consistent study showing them that you value what Heavenly Father is sharing with us um, in the scriptures that will help them to start to develop their own testimonies of reading Heavenly Father's word. I totally and fully agree. Uh, we can become more and more effective at helping our kids study the scriptures, but first we have to be consistent. I, I really think that is the number one most important thing. Um, chapter 2 is kind of a general conference chapter. It's amazing. and uh, But for time's sake, we're going to kind of skip to chapter 3, which is... My favorite chapter of the reading material this week. It really has so much amazing doctrine and so many amazing things in it. So turn over to chapter three if you're following along in your scriptures. Um, and King Benjamin starts out with such an important reminder um, for us. And he says, um, maybe read verse two for us. And the things which I shall tell you are made known unto me by an angel from God. So he starts out by teaching us that our God is a personal God who knows us and gives revelation to us. So, so important in these latter days, right? And then in verse 4, um, he keeps going and he says, For the Lord hath heard thy prayers and hath judged of thy righteousness righteousness and hath sent me to declare unto thee that thou mayest rejoice. So 
here's another place in the Book of Mormon where we are learning that Jesus hears us, Jesus knows us, Jesus is going to send revelation to us. And those principles are repeated over and over and over again on purpose. Um, we, as we're reading through these chapters, we want to be looking for those um, revelation um, moments so that we are learning how to receive revelation for ourselves, especially as President Nelson is inviting us to hear him and inviting us to um, learn how to receive revelation more frequently and more often in our own lives. Um, this is so important that we really feel like that Jesus knows us, that he hears us, that he sends revelation to us. And the more you look for them, the more you'll find the scriptures are absolutely filled with them. And then once he says, Jesus hears me, Jesus knows me, Jesus is going to send revelation to me. Then he teaches us about who Jesus is and what he's going to do. Um, and so let's read verse five. I loved verse five in light of the the COVID-19 situation that we're all in and the worldwide fast that happened this week. And um, so let's, let's do verse five. For behold, the time cometh and is not far distant that with power, the Lord omnipotent who reigneth, who was and is from all eternity to all eternity shall come down from heaven among the children of men and shall dwell in a tabernacle of clay and shall go forth among men working mighty miracles such as healing the sick, raising the dead, causing the lame to walk, the blind to receive their sight, and the deaf to hear, and curing all manner of disease. So President Nelson, of course, called for a worldwide fast um, last week, hopefully that you were able to participate in, because Jesus can and does cure all manner of diseases, and he can and does work mighty miracles and he can and does heal the sick and raise the dead. And those are things that we should have absolute faith and trust and belief in. And in this day and age where there's so much uncertainty and fear and anxiety and things are a little bit up in the air, um, we should be looking to that Jesus who can and does do all of these amazing um, miraculous things. It really is a matter of faith. You know, were we just starving ourselves or did we do we know that our Savior can and does heal the sick? And do we believe that that fast is going to help? And even greater than that, um, even greater than all of those things, um, the rest of the, the chapter, King Benjamin teaches that Jesus atones for all mankind, that he's resurrected for all mankind. Um, and that God sends holy prophets among all the children of men to declare these things to every kindred, nation, and tongue, that thereby whosoever should believe that Christ should come, the same might receive remission of their sins and rejoice with exceedingly great joy. So King Benjamin also teaches that the time shall come when the knowledge of a Savior shall spread throughout every nation, kindred, tongue, and people. Um, and that's us. Like we are living in that time that King Benjamin is prophesying, almost, right? We're so close to very, every, very close. every nation. 
Um, our son Daniel recently returned from the Philippines Baguio mission um, a couple months early because of the circumstances with the coronavirus. And as he's been home and we've listened to him share about the people that he taught and about the members there, as we've heard him talk to people that he knows in the Philippines over Facebook Messenger, it's just been such a reminder to me that God loves all of his children. The Philippines is a long, long ways away. Um, the culture is very different from here. Um, the food is different. Um, the weather is different, um, but none of those things matter. The people are the same. God loves all of his children and he sends thousands of 18 to 20 year olds all around the world sometimes having them learn another language, or in Daniel's case, he learned two languages um, to help them feel God's love and to testify that Jesus is the Christ and to give them the opportunity to accept his gospel. Um, and those things are amazing. It's part of what I love about this chapter. You know, the, the introduction to the Book of Mormon declares that the Book of Mormon will outline the plan of salvation. Well, King Benjamin's address, specifically chapter 3, truly does outline the plan of salvation and really the very heart of the plan. And, you know, Jesus Christ is, is why there is salvation and he is how there is salvation. He is, um, again, the very heart of the plan of salvation. And we see that in verses 15, 16, 17, 18, and 19. Um, if you look at those verses, you'll see these phrases, through the atonement of Jesus Christ, the blood of Christ atoneth for their sins. Salvation can come unto the children of men only in and through the name of Christ, the Lord omnipotent. Salvation was and is and is to come in and through the atoning blood of Christ, the Lord omnipotent, through the atonement of Christ, the Lord. All of the things that King Benjamin talks about um, come because of Jesus Christ and his atoning sacrifice and all of the faith and the hope and the miracles that we all want and seek for are possible because of him. And um, I think that's one of the reasons I love this chapter so much is because of how much it speaks of Christ and his sacrifice for us. It's glorious. I love it. Let's uh, finish off with verse 19. Okay, so verse 19 says, For the natural man is an enemy to God, and has been from the fall of Adam, and will be forever and ever. And then there's this word, unless. He yields to the enticings of the Holy Spirit, and putteth off the natural man, and becometh a saint, through the atonement of Christ the Lord, and becometh as a child, submissive, meek, humble, patient, full of love, willing to submit to all things which the Lord seeth fit to inflict upon him, even as a child does submit to his father. So um, I, I love the unless word. I circled it in my scriptures. Um, so it says, the natural man will be an enemy to God, will be forever, unless what? What did it say? Unless he yields to the enticings of the Holy Spirit. So it's the Holy Ghost that allows us to begin to put off the natural man, right? It's that promptings of the Spirit 
that help us to turn away from the natural man and to start to turn to Jesus. And when we start turning to Jesus, it says that we can become a saint. So I, I thought, what, what does it mean to be a saint, right? Um, the translation of saint from the Greek word means holy. It can also refer to being without blemish. It also refers to those who have entered into the covenant by baptism. Um, saint in Greek also means to be set apart or separate, uh, meaning separate from the world or from evil. So if we kind of substitute some of those words in there and say, um, unless he yields to the enticings of the Holy Spirit and putteth off the natural man and becometh holy or without blemish or a covenant maker or separate from the world, um, and then how do they, how do you do that? How do you become holy? How do you become without blemish? How do you become a covenant maker? How do you become separate from the world? And the answer is the very next words in that verse, through the atonement of Christ the Lord. So it's through the atonement of Christ that we become a saint, a holy covenant make member of God's kingdom, separating ourselves from the world. And when we do that, it's through his atoning sacrifice that we can then become as a child, that we can become submissive and meek and humble and patient and full of love and willing to submit. And, you know, sometimes we look at a list like that maybe and feel like that's a little bit daunting or overwhelming. Um, we might never of our own accord be able to be patient enough or meek enough or humble enough or full of love enough to meet the expectation that we're perfect. Um, but through the enabling power of the atonement of Jesus Christ, we, uh, and as we repent, we can become more. Um, I love the words of Elder Bednar. Do you wanna read that for us? It is likewise through the grace of the Lord that individuals through faith in the atonement of Jesus Christ and repentance of their sins receive strength and assistance to do good works that they otherwise would not be able to maintain if left to their own means. This grace is an enabling power that allows men and women to lay hold on eternal life and exaltation after they have expended their own best efforts. I think as we, as we try to have more and more of the Holy Ghost in our lives, to the Spirit more and more a part of us, um, less and less of the natural man, um, we become more of a saint. And as we become more holy, um, we're, we're exercising faith in the atonement. We're, we're accessing that power. Um, we're seeking to become more meek and humble and patient and full of love. Um, that Heavenly Father is able to grant those things unto us through um, our Savior. And so things that we might feel like are impossible for us, we might feel like it is impossible for us to be patient or to love someone or to be meek, um, but it's not because through Jesus, all things are possible. Incredible. The Book of Mormon truly does outline the plan of salvation in great detail, not just the Savior's part of it, but, on our, but our part and the things we need to do and how the Savior helps us to do them. Um. 
We hope that you'll enjoy your study of Mosiah 1 to 3 this week and um, that you uh, maybe feel the power of, of the doctrine um, taught and of the atonement of Jesus Christ. And uh, we say these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.